0: Hey, just a reminder to check out Lovers Lane in Balmy Alley this Saturday from noon to six. For more info, please see our Instagram. We'll be there live, and we also have a special episode on Valentine's Day related to the event. See you there.
1: Publishing or perishing, I like that. And the mortgage thing is really important to my clients, and I love that. It's gotta be significant. The work I do has to be important to the people that I'm doing it for.
0: That was Jim Argo, a San Francisco born and raised mortgage broker. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this episode, Jim picks up where he left off in part one. He talks about the schools he went to here, including, eventually, SF State. He shares stories of semesters he spent in Italy, where he was able to visit family. After graduation, he was playing sax around town and cooking in a restaurant. He enjoyed both, but wasn't fulfilled. Then a friend of his mentioned the mortgage brokery business, and he ran with it. We end the episode with Jim's thoughts on what it
1: means to still be here. Here's Jim. I did not enjoy grammar school that much because it was very parochial, mm-hmm. a lot of square people, a lot of traditional kind of thinking, not that many imaginative people. And when I got to high school, that high school was a central high school in the city. You know, back in the day, you'd say, oh, where'd you go to high school? And if you could say, I went to St. Ignatius, or Reardon, or Sacred Heart, boom. Or the, the girls would say, I went to St. Rose, or, convent of the Sacred Heart or Mercy or I went to Washington Galileo Balboa you could tell a lot and you still can't I've heard that you can before, yeah. still tell a lot about oh I went to Woodrow Woodrow Wilson is a defunct high school which was a rough rough campus probably rougher than my father's day when he went to Polytech. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if I run across somebody and they went to Lincoln or Lowell or you, you, you know, you can, I'm sorry, it's profiling, but it fits. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, it absolutely makes sense. Mm-hmm. So there's all these guys coming from the Excelsior and the Portola district and the Bayview and North Beach and Chinatown and the Sunset and the Richmond and and Hayes Valley, Haight-Ashbury, and they're all coming together in this high school and we're all kids. And this is like, we'd never seen these kids before, except for maybe playing basketball, baseball, or soccer competitively, we would run across them. But you got the highbrow, the lowbrow, the midbrow, all these guys coming in from different parts of the city. And I was so appreciative of being a musician because being a musician put me in a category. It was like having a passport Mm. because I was okay with the jocks. I was accepted by the nerds, the Latinos, every, I, was, I was like cool with everybody. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like I was the captain, I didn't want to be the captain of the football team. Right. You know right. what I mean? Ugh, that yeah. didn't, it wasn't me. But being in the band that we performed for rallies and at games and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. it was damn cool.
0: Yeah. And, was, you,
1: and you you knew that at the time, you're like, I like this. It just felt right. Would was, you say
0: that's kind of, do, okay, first of all, is it fair to say you like people? oh yeah and then that's is it also accurate to say that that's kind of when you figure that out about yourself
1: yeah you know when when i was a little kid my sisters will tell me we had a very serious house you know my daddy drank some you know Mm -hmm. and he was a blue-collar working guy Mm -hmm. and my mom was the serious italian american and you know you got six people living in uh small three bedroom home with one bathroom upstairs and a half bath downstairs. Yeah. And my dad's a firefighter. So he's, you know, coming from the depression era. So he's living in a, in a world of order and mm-hmm. organization mm-hmm. And, uh, and, thrift. and, and thrift. Sure. Yeah. A firefighter yeah. with right. a stay at home mom, right. You know, private school tuition for everybody. Wow. Right. That's impressive. And, uh, back then, private school tuition wasn't that much. It was still money, but it was not what it is today. Right. But, and so the dinner table was kind of a serious place, you know, so we're getting into the sixties, you know, and so I've got a sister who's two years older, one that's 10 years older and one that's 14 years older than me. Oh, wow. Okay. So these girls... They really wanted a boy, your parents. Oh my Lord, right? Or... Oops. (laughs) I think it was the one, uh, the first one I'm thinking, yeah. I'm hoping. It doesn't yeah. matter, I'm here. Yeah. Take me out. Get me yeah. out of here. I dare <laughs> you. But but so it was kinda of serious. I know and when I was when I was small I just realized that I got this kind of serious feeling at the at the dinner table. I didn't like it. so I would stand up and tell jokes. Yeah. In the kitchen. We'd all eat in the kitchen. I'd get up on the table and I'd make people laugh and I realized I enjoyed that. Okay. Yeah. And, and then but then the music thing it was clearly uh, the, the, a positive, solid path. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, and then let's talk about your decision. For born and raised folks who end up going to state, I'd like
1: to say your decision not to leave San Francisco. It's one of those weird things. Most everybody I run into comes to San Francisco. You know, in in those years, right? I mean... My grandparents came to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Both sides came to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Everybody that rubbed elbows with. Everybody was, I mean, it's, it's a young, young place, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why people come here, whether they're escaping or they just want to, they're running from the law or they're <laughs> running from Jesus or they're running <laughs> from somebody or just to find themselves, you know, the poets, the, the sailors, the whatever, you know, people could be a little freer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than in some parts of the country, absolutely. And then, and when I was in college, my father died. And so... I was the last one in the house, so it wasn't, it was like, oh, I can't, I was getting ready to move, but I wasn't going to leave town. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, I was going to school, I was playing a lot of music, I was working, I had a steady girlfriend that I was crazy about. There was really nothing, no reason for me to leave. Right. Uh, and I was just so, so busy. And then my dad died and I said, what am I going to do? Leave my mom, you know, live by herself? Because your sisters had all moved out. Yeah. So they you were like... there.
0: You're like I can go. To- They're can go all to- married
1: at that point. They're right. grandchildren and, and and stuff. So I'm like, uh,
0: it's kind of. So you went to state and stayed with your mom. Stayed yeah. living with your mom. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. And there's some there's some good stories there too, about the uh, breaking the rules. Yeah. Yeah. When were you at state? You said five years. So I graduated high school in 75. Okay. And I got two degrees out of San Francisco State, finishing 80 and 81. Okay. How was your state experience? It was good. You know, I, you know, they, you, when you hear of young people going off to college, you, you got to find your people, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I cl- quickly realized that I wasn't anywhere in the business department I mean those people were marketing they seemed to me you know they seemed kind of shallow and I wasn't a math person clearly I wasn't going to be in the sciences that wasn't my thing mm-hmm. uh, but I felt comfortable in uh, the music department but I also knew that I wasn't a genius and I mm. wasn't going to be the guy that was going to be that good I wasn't going to be a multi-instrumentalist I mean I play all the saxophones But I don't play all the reeds. I don't play double reeds. I don't play clarinet because of that decision I told you. We've already talked about clarinet. And none of the flute. And so I was like, so what am I going to do? If I was going to make a living being a musician, I'd better pick up keyboards or guitar or something else. And that wasn't going to happen. So I thought, okay, this is cool. This is my avocation. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and I enjoyed, I studied languages. I got a degree in Italian and a degree in economics. And I enjoyed both of those disciplines. I studied a lot of Spanish. Uh, but the the major was massive in terms of unit load for Spanish. Right. Uh, it was a lot lighter in Italian. And in economics, it was relatively light to get a, ma- a bachelor's degree. So economics, but you had just talked about how much like you didn't want to do the math. Yeah, much. but... The economics is. So you could get into you could get into micro and macro, but I really enjoyed the social and political economic history piece. Okay, how things work, how they fall apart, that sort of thing. And and frankly, it was a tough, tough course for me. But probability and statistics fascinated me. You know, it fascinated me. But I knew I could not be the person sitting at the desk counting widgets and making sure how many widgets went out or what's projected for widget world and all that. I couldn't, you know, (laughs) that wasn't me. I was more like, well, if these these people interact this way in business and those people interact that way in business and this political situation is going on, that that was fascinating to me. And that's what I loved about the economic history of the world, Mm -hmm. you know. Centrally planned economies and fascism and capitalism and socialism and how all this resource stuff, allocation all of that stuff. Who how controls do you do it? What? And, yeah, right. Yeah, who
0: distributes what? Yeah.
1: Um, wow.
0: Okay, this is this is super fascinating stuff. Do you want to talk about the like? I mean, you kind of already did, but surely, Jonestown
1: might not have affected you, but like surely, the assassinations did. Well, yeah, I'll tell you that was a I'll, and that was a. You know when they say, when a butterfly moves, it w- moves its wings, does it create a hurricane on the other side of the world? So, so I'm in college, Jonestown happens, Moscone and Milk happens. I'm on my way for an academic year in Italy. My dad dies before I leave. And I'd already made my plans. He died in May and I was leaving in the beginning of June to live in Italy for a while and have a, visit a bunch of relatives. I get to Italy, the Red Brigade assassinates the president of the Republic of Italy. Jesus. Two popes die. Two popes. The Italians have an expression and we say once in a blue moon, the Italian equivalent is once in a death, once in a death of a pope. Oh my god. Well, there were there were that summer that I was in Italy in 78. There were three popes. Oh my god. What the heck? I mean, so it's like three popes. My dad, Moscone, Milk, Jonestown is like, wow, and tum- Moro. And Aldo Moro was the president of the Republic of Italy that was kidnapped and assassinated by the Red Brigade. Okay. While I was there, okay, that was. And I'm in a university town. Where were you? Yeah, in Perugia, which is central Italy in Umbria. It's north. It's east of uh, Florence and a little bit north of Rome. Okay. In the Apennines. Yeah, beautiful mountain place beautiful place but it was like you know political boundaries the stuff was hitting the fan globally yeah yeah. you can cuss on this yeah the shit was hitting the
0: fan there we go I mean like loaded question I was like how how was Italy well wow so a lot I mean and then the stuff going on at home too were you there when the assassinations happened or
1: I was at San Francisco State when you were back already oh no well it went in, I think, because the Moscone thing, I think, was I November? think was the fall of 77. November. Yeah, yeah, it was late in 77, and it was just like this tide of high-level death. Right. <laughs> right. It was like, well, Moscone milk, Jones. I think Jonestown was before. Then it Moscone was, and I milk. Believe. Right. And then, then my my dad uh, uh, abruptly passes away. You know, and. and Bless him, he passed away in his sleep, but uh, and then I go to Italy and then the the red brigades are running all over the place and there's military police all over the place in Italy, and Italy go, Wow, this is a trip. You know, I come from San Francisco, which it's yeah. just recently been the summer of love, not that long ago right. really. Right. And then I go to Italy and it's like there's military police everywhere in the streets and I was taking pictures and they stopped me and frisked me and made me unload my camera and yeah. da, 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 da. but it was in an Italian way, so it wasn't like I was it wasn't like German fascists right, or anybody right, like right. that marching me off. It was a loving frisk. It was. It, <laughs> they were very gentle. Yeah, that's good. And you're kind of like Italian socialism. You're kind of like no, right. it wasn't. It, it wasn't Marx or Lenin or anything like that. Uh, yeah. So that was that was a that was an amazing time. Was coming back to San Francisco ever in question, or or once you were back, was it ever a question like I'm I'm gonna leave? Um, no, I need, I needed money, you know, and I wanted to go back because I mean I was out of money, mm-hmm. and I had no way of getting other money, and I didn't have the imagination or what. And Italy, economically, most people were unemployed anyway, right? So there was no thing that I could do there—a side hustle or anything like that—that mm-hmm. that was available. So I wanted to get back and finish up college and and get on with stuff whatever that was mm-hmm. no but i mean for me it was a great adventure i mean it was I, would, I had great courses and i spent a lot of i played a lot of hooky because i was getting on trains and going to visit my relatives in different parts of the country and uh, we were talking about Venice earlier, and I was realizing that the education, and this is true for, I think, every person that goes to college, the education I was getting in college was not really boots on the ground stuff. Not in the classroom. Eh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So I'm in Italy, and I'm thinking like, well, I know that I can conjugate the shit out of verbs, and I know where everything goes in a sentence, and the history of this, and this poet, and that Risorgimento, uh, and this, the, the history of these writers, and fiction in Italy, and da 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 Italian, all that. And but when get into a bar or something like that and have conversations of whoa I need to work on this mm-hmm. I need to work on this mm-hmm. and then I realized that my relatives in different parts of the country spoke slightly and to some cases substantially different Italian. Hmm. Oh, than what you learned in the classroom. Than the standard classroom Italian. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. That so, must have been interesting. It was. I mean, the fun part was and the, no English. No. Or, no, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, there were Americans there as well, but I just avoided them. Yeah. You know, I just, I, you know, there was just being, hey, Jim, come on, let's go to this and do that. You know, some kids from Oregon or something. Said, nah, yeah, I'm kind of busy. Uh, yeah. I got I to do some. Right. But one fun part was going to visit my cousins in northeastern Italy outside of Venice I could barely understand them. Yeah, I mean, it's like visiting people out of Boston or something. Yeah, or, You know, it's like, wow. Like talking to them, you need subtitles. Yeah.
0: I, I need yeah. to...
1: Can I see what you're saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll, right. I, I can get it once I see it. And, right. But the, the funny thing was we were studying uh, theater from the 1700s. Venetian theater in the 1700s was rich. Very rich. So we were studying it in... That language. So I learned about the letters of the alphabet that they used that they didn't use in modern times, and, and then how to sound out the language of the 1700s. So the, the second and third time that year that I went back to visit my cousins in northeastern Italy, I could understand them because I realized how connected they were to still that, you know, 300 year the old heritage, morphology, that language yeah. that they were using. Wow.
0: Okay. Well, just in the interest of time, um, let's get you graduated.
1: And then what? You said 81? So I'm out of... So I graduated in 80, and then I was... I, the way I worked my way through college was playing music and cooking. I was cooking at restaurants, too.
0: Okay. Were you playing in bands?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and can nothing. We, can, nobody famous. No, but can
0: we can we name drop venues that you played, and then you said you worked in restaurants. Maybe some
1: restaurants. God, let's see. Let's dig. There was a couple clubs on on Broadway here in the city that I played at. You know what? It's been so long that I've forgotten some of the names of these operations. Yeah, but I mean, I remember there was times when I was in high school and playing in a in a fifties rock and roll band, and I'm like. 16, And we go on break and I had to leave the the bar because I wasn't supposed to be. I could be there legally to perform, but I could not be there if I wasn't working. Right, right. And I thought to myself, well, that's pretty wild. As strict as my parents were that they let me out. And I think back and it's like, wait a minute. I was 15 years old driving a car to do it a Thursday night gig at the Hideaway Saloon in Petaluma yeah. getting home at like two in the morning in yeah. high
0: school. What the hell?
1: But that's pretty cool. It's very cool. Yeah. Very cool.
0: So uh anyway, we were we were gonna have you grad
1: you're now you graduated. So so I'm I no, gradu- no, no. I graduate school and I'm still cooking. I'm working in a restaurant cooking. And I realized that, you know, I don't want to be the guy that's writing the specials up on the board because I was the one who wasn't illiterate. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, it was a way different thing back in the 80s. It wasn't all this fascination. It was kind of prior to Alice Waters and all that. It was right around that time, but before mm-hmm. the, the 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 slow food for sure. Mm-hmm. And before what Alice Waters did to bring food up to, to the top, mm-hmm. up the level like she did. What was Modern- the restaurant? It was, uh, the restaurant was called... The Willow, and it was a Spanish restaurant, and I once cooked paella for the consul general of Spain. Whoa, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Are you shaking in your. I mean, that's I was intimidating. Little, I was a little nervous. Jesus. Yeah, I was a little. I was like, but well. you fucking it. I did it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Paella yeah. a lot of fun to make. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Any, anyway. That's yeah, it. and everybody loves it. It's not. Yeah, anyway. Correct. It's a good. It's a good community food. You Correct. know. Correct. Everybody yes. can share in it, and it's fun for that. But then I realized, you know, when I went up for a I was like, you know, I don't want to be doing this. And so then there was a friend of mine who would sit in with our band because he was was also a music teacher. And he started getting into the mortgage business. And around that time, I was working for an operation called Il Fornaio, which became a pretty well-regarded Italian restaurant and Mm -hmm. bakery and then an Italian restaurant Mm -hmm. and then an Italian restaurant chain here on the West Coast. Yeah. And I work for them, but I was just like, you know, it's the same thing, you know. It's, I don't want to, I'm never going to amount to anything financially if I do this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to rely on the love of going out to restaurants instead of w- my own wallet going to the restaurant. Right. You know, it was just, I'm always going to be kind of ne'er-do-well doing that, and I'm not going to get the things in life that I want. However, I enjoyed cooking, but...
0: Sort of similar to your your music, yeah, yeah. You're path gonna,
1: where you're like, I, this is something I like to if do. You're going to do something. You better really can, uh, be able to do it. Right. You know, and I can't. I can't be five on a ten scale or right. four on a ten but scale. But also,
0: but also knowing that about yourself is a big deal.
1: I guess, right? Knowing your know, limitations. Well, knowing, right. And knowing, and like Bob Costa used to say, knowing when to say when. You know, yeah. like, am I done with this? You right. know, have I kind of? That's I mean, very tricky. I, I mean, look at all the famous artists. Uh, performing artists in the world mm-hmm. that have known when to say when mm-hmm. to leave the game mm-hmm. you like in San Francisco Buster Posey wow. mm-hmm. pulling out you know right. so many so many athletes I and mean, you get somebody that's crazy like uh, who is who's the uh, the second baseman for the A's forever Ricky Henderson Henderson. Mm-hmm. I mean he was but he was so different. I mean, <laughs> he, he could have still stolen basses in his 50s. Yeah, Ricky Henderson was Ricky Henderson. Yeah, I mean, he's... <laughs> he's still unique. Is. Right? <laughs> yeah. But not everybody's that guy. Right. I mean, right. But even people like, you get somebody like an opera singer, a Pavarotti, or, yeah, you know, Julio... Uh, what is, uh, the Spanish... The blind Italian? No, 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 the Italian fella, you know, oh. Placido Domingo. Domingo. Jose Carreras and those people, you know, you can't, you can't be that person. You know, look, Sinatra probably played it out too long. You yeah. You know, did too long. Right. You know, but it, you can only imagine what it's like to be that person. Can, when do I say goodbye? But I wasn't at that level. And I didn't have that huge success that I was saying goodbye to it. But right. it was just like, mm, you're good, kid. You know, you're good.
0: But, and you don't have to stop doing those things. Right. It's just a different, it's situating them in your life. Yeah. Among, among other baskets, yeah. sort of. Yeah. What was it about real estate, or like you said, mortgage? Pure what,
1: what? serendipity. It was just pure accident. But what, what
0: drew you to it, though? Um... Just that, just that it was there and your your. It was, was
1: just, there. I was at a point where I wanted to try something absolutely, completely different. Okay. And it was a friend of mine who recommended it to me. And I had my background in economics. Mm-hmm. And I had been a band leader. And I know what it's... And as a kid, I always... Uh, I played catcher in baseball. Mm-hmm. I liked being the goalie. I just liked that matador in the bull sort of moment. I, I like it being on me. Captain. I like... Yeah, I guess. Yeah, being resp- oh, you know, being accountable. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, like that's one of the things that we some of us love about baseball. You know, when you're at bat, it's just you and the pitcher. It's just one to one. Right. And I ca- and that success or failure thing, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I get that a lot in the mortgage world which is where I am. And how long have you been doing that? 38 years. Wow. Yeah. Did you start off working for someone else and then Yeah, okay. I did it the wrong way though. You know, the people that were supposed to be watching out for me and bringing me along, they they, they say, you know, really, you should go to work in a bank and start in a bank. And I thought to myself, oh, no, I can't be that econometrician counting widgets and parsing those out and And da-da-da-da. So I did it the hard way and took my lumps. But cost of living wasn't so high back then either, so it didn't really matter. And, uh, you know, the the, the the being comfortable with a high performance level, highly functioning, I enjoy that. And publishing or perishing, I like that. And the mortgage thing is really important to my clients, and I love that. It's got to be significant. The work I do has to be important to the people that I'm doing it for. I can't be you know, not to belittle it, but I can't be like doing carpet work or, you know, it's like this has got to be stuff that I want people's attention that what we're discussing and is very important to them and good for their future. Mm -hmm.
0: Is there, I mean, that's, that's part of it, but I feel like is, you know, is there a philosophy that you bring to your work? You're from here. You know, like how much does your love of San Francisco, tie into
1: your work? Well, it's kind of a heartbreaker because, I mean, the San Francisco that I grew up in is not the affordable San Francisco. You know? Right. And, and it's, it's not as tragic as the Native American who can't sure. call his country his country anymore. Sure. I mean, but it's like... Geez, you know, it's like, I mean, you used to pay for a house what people are overbidding for a house today. It's like, or do we have to go 100 or 200 over asking price? Right. That's what people used to pay for a house. So that, and I have to keep, I have to avoid the, playing the old tapes in my head, you know, from that. Mm-hmm. And I have to look to the future and say, look, at everybody's generally well compensated that's doing this, and they wouldn't be well compensated if they didn't have to work here. So... In real dollars, we know there's problems. You know, there's mm-hmm. gaps that are just abysmal mm-hmm. in wealth, just really bad. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it's not Cuba and it's not the Soviet Union either. So, you know. Right. Or I should say Russia, right? Uh, sure. Is that a throwback? I, I like that, though. Yeah, yeah. It's basically that yeah. again. Yeah, so. right.
0: um, If there's anything else about your career that you kind of want to, gen- generally speaking, throw in, for sure... But I would like to end uh, with our theme on the podcast this season is we're still here. Yeah. Speaking to, I don't like the word resiliency, but, you know, despite it all. And, it, and all has been a lot over the last couple of years. Um, what does that mean to you? It would have
1: been really weird without Zoom. I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, now that you just put it that way, because I'm in still largely in my man cave mm-hmm. where I do my work because my team is now dispersed. Mm-hmm. So I seldom see people, mm-hmm. you know, in my work. Right. And I, I, I don't want to say it, but I think the Zoom thing is huge. I mean, I, I have a wonderful family and we see each other all the time. We get along great. And that's been great. But the connectivity piece is, uh, yeah. I mean... I don't. I cannot imagine what it, this would have been like without the assistance of technology. Right. It. There. I mean, talk about emotional, psychological depression issues for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. Yeah, because and I got a dog too, right? And the know. dog keeps me buoyed. Um, I mean, obviously there
0: have been pandemics and plagues throughout his, human history, um,
1: but n- not one now i mean not, not like this but yeah i mean if you go back in history and you know and you, you know for example the black plague took out like a third of the population of europe it ended the feudal system right. pretty much buried the feudal system it, it it put power in the hands of laborers finally mm-hmm. they didn't have the serf lord relationship mm-hmm. so i look around here as we we're talking about this is, so what are the things that are similar to that because they are That are happening in our age. Capitalism. Yeah, yeah. A little teetery right now. All sorts of things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just the way that, medicine, Mm -hmm. pharma, the way people relate to each other socially, the Mm -hmm. political thing... You know, it's, it's, it's like, we're going to be, these are interesting times. Mm-hmm. You know, we think, well, you know, our parents, grandparents, they had the depression and they had World War II and we forget that they had no idea how that was going to play out. They had no idea. They didn't idea. know that,
0: that Hitler was going to be defeated. No, right? Right. And they While it was happening.
1: They didn't know, you know, in the Japanese, they floated some incendiary balloons across the Pacific, but mm-hmm. they didn't talk about that. You know, right. the people,
0: yeah. Let's get back to the what it means to still be in San
1: Francisco. Here you and I sit on a January afternoon where the sun is coming through from the southwest through these beautiful tall windows in the lounge at the Elks Lodge number three. We're wearing cotton mostly. You know, we're worried a little bit about maybe please will it rain some more. We're going to step outside and even though you'll wear a mask, you could go into a bar and get a beer, or a coffee, or something like that at a cafe, and people still come here and want to be here. You know, the Italians that came here that I was describing earlier in the early 1900s, the late 1800s, now they just happen to be electrical engineers, mm-hmm. and, and you know, there's, it's just we just keep on going, we keep on rolling.
0: That was Jim Argo. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, we'll meet Alfredo Uribe, and we'll reconnect with Lucia Ipolito Gonzalez, co-hosts of Saturday's event in Balmy Alley. Our special Valentine's Day episode drops Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 180 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, please rate and review the show so we can reach even more folks. We love email, and we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.fm podcast network.
1: Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.